in the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 13, commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. Then there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Have you come to the kingdom for such a time? Lord Jesus, bless thy word right now, we pray. We ask your blessings and your guidance upon this study. We shall give you all the praise. Let us leave here better than we came. I ask in the name of Jesus, we depend on you, Lord, to see us through. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. This Bible study tonight is sent around a, a young lady called Esther. If I could title this, I would really call it Working Behind the Scene. If you take your Bible and look at the indexed, write your Bible indexed, where it shows you where all the books of the Bibles are, it will show you that Ruth is placed right between Judges and Samuel, and that Esther is placed between Nehemiah and Job. Three ladies managed to get their names in the book of life. Amen. Ruth, Esther, Amen. And we're going to, that's the three, two names, two ladies, Ruth and Esther. And then we got the Solomon song, which she's not a it's not a lady's name, but it something unique about those three books. The name of God is not mentioned. But as you study all three books, you find behind the scene there is the name of the Lord. I didn't want to confuse you folks with acrostic, but acrostic is a way of identifying God's name when it's not spelt out. Acrostic is when you look and you, you can find God's name in the verses, the letters of his name. But be that as it may, you will find as you study both books that Esther is a little bit different. Now in 721 BC, the Assyrian, which is Syria today, captured the northern tribes, walk off with them, never bring them back, and scatter them around the entire world. And there never was a restorationist that rose up among them. They just got scattered. In fact, they told God they're not interested in his laws. And God says, I'll wipe you out. You know, God, through Jeremiah, God took up a plate and said, Jeremiah, take his plate and show Israel, the northern tribe, and wipe it out and put it upside down. He said, that's what a woman does to a plate when she washes her plate. 
and say, I'm finished with you. I'm done. You won't call my name and I won't worry about you. Be gone. And they were expelled around the entire world. They never came back till the year 2000. That's when Israel, northern tribe, came back home. And there's a reason for that. They're preparing for the coming of the Messiah. But then her sister, the last two tribes, our two and a half tribes, stayed for a longer time, over 100 years. And then they commit the same sin when the oneness of people begin to play footsie with false gods. God gets angry. The first generation of northern tribe went into captivity because they were mixing God with gods. And they violated the very first of the Ten Commandments. Don't have any other God beside me. You can't just go to any church if you like. Now you may, but in my Bible you can't. Just like I can't just walk in any house in McMurray and go to bed. I just can't do that. Nor can you walk in any house and say, that's God's house. I can't just walk in any woman's bosom and hug her and say, you're, you're mine. No, you can't do that. That's adultery. That's fornication. You can't do that. Nor can you go love false gods and expect God to accept that. He's not going to accept it. Nor would you. You wouldn't accept somebody hugging your ticket with your partner and walk off with them. And God wouldn't accept Israel doing that. But Israel was bent on doing that. And so you got a prophet like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and those prophets. They rose up and tried to get Israel back to God, but to no avail. So God said, fine, that's enough. Send him away. And so uh, Babylon, which is today Iraq, Israel played footsie with them too, you know, uh, played the harlot, the whore, uh, the prostitute, spiritual, and went off with them. And God said, that's enough. I'm going to let you go. And you won't call my name, and I won't bother about you anymore. And so God sent Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar walked off with Israel. Burn her temple. Tore up her city. Kill her most choices of princes. Destroy her babies and the women and the children. Got destroyed. I mean, it was a massacre. All because God moved the edge. When God moved the edge, you're unprotected. You got no shelter. It's gone. All the time he was protecting them. And so he just moved the edge and they were in trouble. If you read the fifth chapter of Isaiah, talk about God moving the edge from this pres beautiful thing he planted. And so the fence are broken down, the fox comes in, the wheat comes in, and just eat them up. So they went into captivity. But God told them that there would be a return and that they would come back at a certain time because the Messiah is coming for the first time in the land of Israel. Literally come, God manifest in flesh. Never happened before. So, to make that happen after 70 years, which is, amen, uh, 606 B.C. to 536 B.C., you get 70 years. They went out in the captivity in 606 B.C. and came back in 536 B.C. Now, God told them through Jeremiah that I'd bring you back. Not the northern tribe, but the southern tribe, Judah. 
and Benjamin. I'll bring you back. And when I bring you back, I'm going to talk to your heathen government that you're serving and give you favor. You see what happened when God's with you? Favor comes your way. Doors are open. What was closed will be open. Your adversary become your friend. Amen. Those who curse have to bless you. And God gave them favor and told them, I'm going to rebuild this temple that Solomon built, and it will be there till the Messiah come. Well, Cyrus was named by God. God named Cyrus, which is a person king. Now, Cyrus not even yet born. But God named him and says, his name shall be called Cyrus, and he will rebuild my temple. And no charge to you Jews. He'll build of his own pocket. I'll let him pay for it. And he will tell you to go build my temple. Well, you know what happened, don't you? Well, Cyrus told Israel to go home. 536, Babylon fell. Fell to the Medes and the Persian. And when they fell, like God promised, the Medes and the Persian reign, and Cyrus came to power from Persia and said, look, all you Jews, I want you to go back home. Unfortunately, you stay in the dark long enough, after a while, the dark look okay. You can go in the wrong church and feel comfortable, but it doesn't mean it's comfortable. It just means that you have made changes. You have been assimilated. You've been grafted in. That's called apostasy. That's called deception. You're deceived to think it's all right. You know, it's like Samson putting his head in the lap of Delilah and going to sleep. Well, she killed him. <laughs> but he was at ease in her lap. She put him to bed, but then she killed him. Right? She cut his head off, cut his hair, I mean his hair off, cut him off from God. When you hang around false churches, you're going to lose God. Just, just take time. You're going to lose the revelation of who God is. And pretty soon you won't know who the true God anymore. When Elijah asked them who's the true God, they couldn't even tell. They were confused. 450 men told them that Baal was the true God. And they didn't know who to believe, Elijah or this 450. Because we're outnumbered don't mean we're wrong. Get off it. And this is not democracy. This is theocracy. This is don't go by votes on the pews or how popular we are. It's the word of God. That's what makes a distinct difference. But people look at the outward appearance and think, well, you don't have it. You're wrong. What is despised by men is glorified by God. Well, anyway, they, they got their edict to come home. And they got to like being in Babylon because they were prospering now. Because Jeremiah did tell them, Bill, how is this? You're not coming home until 70 years. What God did in 70 years was he killed off the generation that caused the captivity. He made 70 years is how long we all supposed to live. If you live past that, you're blessed. You're really highly favored. But after 70 years, God said, your time is up. Die. So God takes 70 years to wipe out that generation that caused the captivity. So a new generation came up. The kids came up. And the kids are born in Babylon. They don't know Jerusalem. They don't know the temple. They don't know Solomon. They don't know anything about it. All they know is what the parents told them, if they told them. 
And all of a sudden, they're told, go back home. Home? This is home. Huh? I'm not home. No, 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 go home. He said, go home back. Temple? What temple? I don't know any temple. Well, that's right. They were born without seeing a temple. So the abnormal become the normal. That's the danger. Well, what's wrong? Everything is all right. Nothing is wrong. I still feel God. But that doesn't mean God is in it. And so, let us know, only 50,000 went back. Went back with Zerubbabel. When you read the book of Zechariah, you read about a, a priest called Joshua and Zerubbabel, the governor. And you read about the conflict they had in trying to rebuild their homeland. It was a problem, but they did build the temple. Now, and so in 478 B.C., a situation arises. Esther is born in a foreign land. Her father and mother had died as a little kid, and so she's adopted by her cousin called Mordecai. Now, these Jews have Jewish name, but when the heathen get a hold of them, they change their name, trying to change their identity, trying to change their conviction and their heritage. Well, like they changed the name Shadrach, Mishnah, Benigo, and all that, so they tried to change her name too. And they named her Esther. It's not a Jewish name. It's a heathen name, Esther. Her first name, which I will not pronounce right now, it means a uh, myrtle tree. A myrtle tree is very hard and tough. Well, they changed her name. And they call her Esther, which means a star. And that's, that's an irony there. And so Mordecai took her under his wings and nurture her and mentored her and she became like his daughter now the story is very strange because here in the Persian Empire the king is getting ready to go fight the Grecians because as you know the Greeks are going to succeed Medo-Persia as a world power well just before the war starts uh, the, the, this Asuerus whose name is Xerxes he had a feast that lasted 180 days. How many? 180 days partying. Getting drunk. Drinking wine. Having, you know what I'm saying? And nobody's forced to drink. If you don't want, it's fine. That's half of a year. Because one year to them is 360 days. So six months having a party. Well, when the wine got into him, guess what happened? And, and of all these 127 princes from around the world, from Ethiopia all the way to India, from India and stretching across the, the vast, expanded, known world at the time, he said, bring me my wife. Bring my wife. Now, which of you want your wife to open and display her nakedness before a bunch of strangers? Well, the king had a weird idea. Get me my wife. She's so pretty. I want the world to see how beautiful I got this beauty pageant. She's great. She's good looking. Now, she's having the latest party. And there she's with the women, rightfully so. But now he's bringing her to the men, all men. You know, stag party. He says, I am not coming. Now, wow. So she embarrassed the king. You don't embarrass the king under no circumstance. They cut your head off. You may be the queen, but they'll still kill you. So he's embarrassed because he said, my wife is coming, and she didn't show up. 
And so his counselors told him, well, you better fix it right now because all the women are going to know what happened. And all the wives are going to turn on their husbands and will not obey them. So you better fix that king. And by the way, they have good advice for you. Get rid of her. Depose her. Replace her. Now the king, okay, he's drunk. So okay, sounds good. Let's, let's get rid of her. And he hastily agreed. So they get Vesta and kill her. They sent her away. Now after 30 days, the king realized he is not a wife. <laughs> he saw he sent her away, but he can't bring her back. Because the laws of the Medes and the person is unchanging. Can't change it. So what does he do? He said, well, king, don't worry about it. You're the king. You own all those countries. You're what you do, king. Get you another wife. Well, where are you going to find one? you got 120 countries under your dominion. Send out your pageantries, your chamberlains out there, and look for a girl. Now, look how God is working. God knows how to place us to meet the right people and put us in the right position at that time to work out his will. All things can work for his good. Maybe not yours, but his. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory. And so, let's say, go look for the girl. Well, I understand there's over 12 million prospects out there. 12 million! Well, don't get excited because it'll take about four years before you see this particular wife. He wants to see all those girls in four years, period. Then he wants to see the wife of his prospect. And so, 12 million girls are to choose from, and it shrunk down to 400. And the 400 shrunk down to just a few, and finally, she got chosen. Hello? Now, she don't know why she's chosen. She thought she was there because she's beautiful. Obviously, she's a virgin. Because Mordecai kept her clean. And so she's chosen. But it was not just for her beauty. You know, people don't realize when God puts you in a job or a position or do something in your life where your real estate goes up or your finance goes up or your promotion goes up, God didn't just do it for you. He put you there for a purpose. Just like let them sell Joseph. That was his idea. Let them sell Joseph and they sold him and they... He can get where he wants him. There's no other way to get him there but to sell him. <laughs> the brethren hate him. But the hate is the will of God because it will turn out to be love and, and, and uh, restoration. Anyway, so he, here they look for the, these girls. And they can't see the king because the king said, I don't want to see them until after six months or several months. Then I want to see them when they're purified for over a year. Over a year. Now, God said, the Bible says that anything they wanted, they'll get it. Some would paint their face, no doubt. Some would cut their hair. Some put eyebrows on. And you know, you know what the world of people would do. What do heathens do? Paint their face, cut their hair, do their, you know, their lewd type of dressing. But not this Jewish girl. She's still controlled by the Levitical priesthood system. Very different. They don't know she's a Jew because he, she was told, "Don't tell them." that you're a Jew, don't tell them anything because it may work against you. Just you don't shut and go through the process of testing. Let them choose you. And when it's ready, I'll tell you. 
The Bible says she was very obedient to the man in her life. She listened to him. Everything he says, he does. She does it. So, she got chosen because she was pure. She was natural. She was right. And I believe God gave her favor in the sight of the Lord. You know, God can beautify you with salvation. You don't need all the paint and the junk. You don't just try to try to recreate yourself. You can't recreate what God already designed. If God gives a black hair, don't make it white. <laughs> Hello, leave it like God gave it to you, and you're gonna look good. <laughs> At least in his sight. Hello? Don't let me get digressing off here again. You know, I get in trouble to start talking about wholeness again. But you know what? Yeah, here, here, all the girls are all doll themselves up, but she just come as plain as God made Eve. And smell good. Look good. And I suppose God make her face shine and just glow. And God touched the king's heart and said, That's the girl. It's like when I first came to make Mary and, and the company wanted to give me a house to live in. And I went through several houses to pick from. And I didn't know which one to pick from. But there was one I went into, I felt the Holy Ghost. God said, this is the house that I want you to have. I baptized half my congregation in that church before I built a new building. In fact, the whole congregation was baptized in that place. Because we had no running water. We had no running water. We had no toilet. Nothing like that. But in my basement, we baptized everybody. The whole church. It's amazing. Or God can pick out things for us. It's so nice when God chooses. When God chooses, God don't make mistakes. God chooses to further his cause and further his kingdom. Amen. Sister Cheryl's not here, but she's driving a old jalopy car going to school. And say to her sister, don't worry about it. She said, Pastor, I need a car because I'm freezing. I can't see. I go to Fort McCann. I can't see. And I'm doing this. And my car say, girl, it's illegal. What you doing? And her heater wouldn't work. But said, if you want a car for the right reason, God will touch your father's heart and he'll give it to you. That's exactly what he did. Amen. So a lot of things we want, we don't get it because we ask amiss. But if we ask according to his will, then we know that he heareth us. And then we have our petition. Now, sometimes God step out of the norm and and do things just to impress you and let you know, I'm God. I know one guy, I could tell you a lot of stories about him. A lot of miracles. But he always says at the end, oh, it's just my fluke. It's my chance. I thought, you're insulting God. Today, you know where he is? Bankrupt. Lost everything God gave him. I, I believe he came close to a million dollars. A business prospered. Yeah, yeah, a million dollars. And crashed. Because he could not accept the testimony God who taught him how to read to pass the exam he passed and accomplished the thing he did he couldn't give God the praise for it hello and so here's Queen Esther she become a queen the rest are sent back to their place and now there's a story here you parents need to listen to this the thing that you fail to destroy in your home will someday rise up and haunt your kids that old snake, that serpent that you left for them, they can't handle it. And they will cause your kids 
problem. Let me digress a little bit. The story digression said, God raised up this girl. She's well favored. She's blessed. She's an affluent. But she has no idea why God put her there. God didn't put her there just to make her rich and looking good and cute and sit among the royalties. God put her there for a reason. And it was to be revealed later on. Because there's the Amalekite that the king had promoted. The Amalekites, they despise Israel. These are the descendants of Esau. Remember now, Esau hated Jacob. Because he said Jacob stole his birthright. So the Edomite don't like Israelite. And they have descendants called Amalekite. And after 430 years in Egypt, and Israel is coming out of Egypt, with the offices of Moses, the Bible said Amalek was slay. Now you backslide, listen to me. The stragglers, those that follow afar off. You know, you can be you can belong to truth, but you follow afar off. You won't get involved and committed to the center of his will. You can just you know, follow a long way off. Well, eventually you get knocked off. Anybody on the outer periphery, in chemistry we learn that very quickly. You know, the outer shell. You can rob those electrons quite easy, but you can't touch those by the nucleus. You can't get it. You need too much energy. The fight is tenacious. And so the further you are from God in holiness, the easier it is for the devil to deceive you. And blind your minds that you don't see the truth even though we're telling you the truth you can't receive it because you're too far off you lack sensitivity and he blind your mind to the truth anyway and so Amalek would kill those other, other extreme men and God saw that and God was angry and God says fight against Amalek and they fought but they did not exterminate them you understand and so God, many hundred years after Joshua, God told a king called Saul, I want you, this is 11th century B.C., okay, 11th century B.C., before Christ was born. He said, I want you to destroy Amalek, completely wipe them. Now, you see, when God takes him to do something, you don't know why. What may seem unreasonable, God said, don't worry that. Well, he doesn't tell you why. He said, don't do it. Well, I don't see nothing wrong with that. I didn't ask you for your opinion. I asked for your obedience. I didn't ask you if you like it or not. I'm telling you, I don't want you to wear that. I don't want you to do, <laughs> you know, most of the mistake. I said, smite. You smite, you smite. I said, now talk to it. And he hit it. I said, you're wrong. You're wrong. He still gave the water, but he blocked him out. He could not go into the promised land. Well, God, I still feel God, yes, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Moses got the water, but still he wasn't going in that land. And God said, you can beg all you wish. You're not going because you disobey my teaching. You got no right to disobey what I told you. You're not going in. But God still blessed him. But he couldn't go. Amen. And so God blocked him out. He begged and begged. I said, no way. You see, a lot of folks in church today, you don't think God means what he says. 
and you rest in Isaac. But when you come to cross Jordan to go on the other side, he's going to block you out as being rebellious and iniquitous. It being lawless. You will not obey my law. You can't get in. If you love me, you keep my, and my laws are not greedy. Well, well, that's what so so says. What my pastor says, what my deacon says. I don't care what your deacon says. I'll tell you what God says. God has spoken. And you must conform or be lost. Now, hello? He may feed you for these 40 years. That don't mean you're saved. You're lost. God having saved the people, afterward destroy them. Read 1 Corinthians 10. It tells you why he did it. Because they wouldn't listen to him. All right? Now, and so God says, all right, Saul, go there and kill all those people. What? Let me show how God operated. God will work a miracle in your life to let you know that where you are is true. God will do something in your ministry, in your life, to let you know the man talking to you is of God. And at some point, you have to decide, is this man talking from God or his own ideas? He lost the donkeys. His father did. God made the donkey run off. <laughs> so so the, the son could be sent to pick up the donkey. Well, God makes sure he didn't find it until he ran into Samuel. Because God wanted him to meet Samuel. And there's no way to make Samuel meet with him. Are you with me? So God created a scenery so he meets Samuel. And then Sam, because he asked for Samuel, you know, it's a long story. But they said, anything that man of God says, come to pass. Listen to him. Do as he says. Don't argue with him. Just do what he says. And so, he said, okay. So he went and saw him. He said, look, stop looking for the donkey. He's found. Your father got what he wanted. That's worried about you. But by the way, stay here for a few days. I want to talk to you. Me? Yes. <laughs> I brought you here to talk to you. I picked you out of that crowd for this reason. I want to talk to you. Amen. I don't know what he was like. Maybe something in his heart attracted God to him. And God said, I've chosen a man. Well, what, what, what do you want me to see you for? He says, tomorrow I want you to meet me among a certain place, and I, I prepare a seat for you, meals for you. Well, make a long story short, he said, I'm going to tell you what's in your heart. And God makes sure that Sam will give him some specifics, which came to pass letter for letter. Because down the road, Saul is going to second guess Samuel. And once you have had the clearance that this is of God, the rest is. Huh? The rest is. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and, and so uh, the Bible says, he told him, he said, by the way, I want to make you king. You got the wrong guy. No, no, God says, you. Me? In my family, I don't even count. I'm the least. That's why I chose you. I want to be king. Long story short, he anointed him. He's king. And he's very humble. And he's doing pretty good. And now he's king. Got some victories. His chest grew. <laughs> His head grew. To the place where now Samuel cannot give him direction. Can't talk to him. He's self-centered. 
self-will. He failed the first test, and now the second test is kill the Amalekites. God said, three chances. The last one, God said, kill them all. When he came back, what did he do? He spared Agag and the Agites. And this Agag come by, and Samuel got so angry and said, you know, God rejected you because you disobey his word. You're out. You know, Agag doesn't change. He rejected you and me the same way. Don't you think for one moment you're eternally secure? There's no eternal security in the church. As long as you continue in the faith, if you overcome, you will be accepted. If you don't, you're out. That's what God is. That's really true. But you know the story? And so he spared Agag. And you know who killed Saul, by the way? An Agag. That's amazing. I mean, one day he went to war. He shouldn't have gone. And he fell like that. And that Agag stood on top of him, cut his head off, took his crown off, and gave it to David. What a shame. The thing that he, he didn't want to kill, killed him. Now, in the year 560, whatever B.C., or four, about 400 years later, guess who showed up? An Amalekite. Don't you think in the kingdom of the person, they remembered the war? He knew they're Jews. And he hated Mordecai from way back when. He hated the Jewish people. And here he got promoted, and the Jew won't bow. Everybody's bowing, but the Jew won't bow. Because the first commandment says, Thou shalt not worship any other God beside me. And we don't, we don't count you as a God. Well, the Bible says that Haman got so angry, so mad, he wants to kill him. But here's how God's working things out, folks. You know, don't you think God is sleeping? You may not see God, but that I mean God absent. Stop and look at the power of God behind the scene working. And he plot to kill all the Jews, kill every Jew there is, and not realizing the queen is a, a Jew. He wants to kill her too. And, and, and so, uh, you, the Bible says, the edict went out, kill all the Jews, murder them. The king is so foolishly drawn into a situation he couldn't reverse and gave this Haman the, the, the ring. By the way, ring. Who wore the ring? Not Esther, the king. And he used it for sealing. Boom. And he gave it to who? Haman. Why? To seal the command. So, I mean, Haman got authority to do what like, the king does. When that seal come, the king spoke. And that's what happened. Now, the Bible says that Mordecai heard about it, started weeping, crying, bawling, putting on sackcloth, and going through all this. But here's how God operates. Here's how smart God is. You see, where's God in the picture? While that's taking place, and Haman planned to kill Mordecai and hang him by his neck, and build a gallows to put him on it. The king cannot sleep. Because, here's what happened. Two of his bodyguards planned to assassinate him. And Mordecai heard about it. And told Esther. And Esther told the king. He investigated and was true. And so the two 
bodyguards got hung by their neck. But nothing good was done for Mordecai. Now, God's amazing. If you think God forgets your good deeds, you're wrong. Even a cup of water that you do for God don't go unrewarded. Amen. Amen. And so, the Bible says, God struck the king so the king couldn't sleep. And the king can't, you got insomnia, oh, I can't go to bed. Oh, come over here, you record keeper. Come on, you many instances, come over here and bring me the record book. Now, you know, if you start reading Chronicles, it's going to bore you to death till you start sleeping. <laughs> a self-hypnotic, a read therapy, put me to bed. Just, talk, just read the boring facts to me. And while he's reading, come on, it comes to a place that says, and the king laughed for spirit because such and such was revealed. And he said, stop right there. Now, here is how God operated. Here is Haman coming to see the king to tell him, hang this guy at the gate. Hang him, please. And while he's coming to, to, to plot against him, the king can't sleep because of the guy at the gate. <laughs> Amazing how God can help you out when odds are against you. And the king says, that guy who did this for me, what was done for him? Nothing. He says, okay. Oh, here come Amon. Hey, he says, Amon, there's a man that I want to promote, I want to exalt. Tell me, what can I do for this person? You know, he said, surely it's got to be me. Who else can it be? I mean, I was just at his banquet a while ago. I got promoted. I got elevated. Only one thing bothered me is that guy at the gate. But apart from that, I'm a happy man. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. All things are going good. Hey, you be careful. You mess the God's people. Amen. Praise God. It's not just what you see, what you don't see that's the problem for you. He said, well, I would put the king's crown on his head, wear the king clothing, ride the king horse, and drag him through the street and say, look what the, at the man that the king wants to elevate and, and honor and give all the blessings. Because for sure it would be me. Politics is not the same as divine election. <laughs> you may politic all you want to and get what you got, but you can't keep it. But when God gives it, no man takes it. When God opened the door, no man shut it. And when God shut the door, no man can open. And promotion don't come from the east or from the west. The Lord set up and he takes down. Bless his holy name. He gives and he takes. Thank God we're on the giving side. Hallelujah. No man can displace us. Anyway, I want to show you how God behind the scenes is operating. This book is awesome. Because this book is telling us something about you may not see God physically in your storm. But he's in the fog. God said, I didn't bring you here to stop you from having pain. But I'm here to suffer the pain with you. I'm not going to prevent him. Because you know, in, in, in the foreign land, you call the new world, New Jerusalem. There's still pain here. But in all their suffering, you are suffering with them. In all their affliction. And the Bible says, 
after he finished telling the king what to do, the king agreed with him and said, Now, do this to Mordecai! It rang just like when it says, Esther is the queen! And 12 million girls are shrunk. And now you can imagine how Haman felt. Haman the hangman. Now you be careful at what your wife is saying to you. Most wives are against holiness standard. Most husbands would live it, but the wives are against it. Boy, I lost you now. You know how many women in the city stop their husband from the church and prevent them? You know how many husbands compromise for their wives? That's why God kicked out Adam and Eve. He said to Adam, you listen to your wife more than me. I told you what not to do, and she told you different. Out! He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. God still hold you liable for what she does. When, when Job's wife told him to disobey God and call him what? And curse God and die? He says, you speak like one of those girls. But you got the wrong man. He said, no! No! He wouldn't do what she says. I can tell a lot of, lot of, lot of men in this city would have lived for God. And most time, when a guy quit church, is the woman that draws him out. Can you believe that? I'm, I've been around here quite a while. I've seen it. She dragged him out because she ain't going to walk God's walk. And he's too, he's too weak and chicken to take her stand and do what's right. And so she just took her finger. Well, she says, Well, honey, don't have to worry about this guy. Just build a gallows and hang him. <laughs> Get rid of your problem. You know, just quit church. One girl, she died this way. But before she died, her, her sister told her, Well, look, leave church and your problem will stop. And that's true for a while. But hell is forever. <laughs> it is forever. I was praying tonight, God says, you can't save your wife, and your wife can't save you. You save yourself. You pray for yourself. You can't make your husband stop from living for God. I don't care what he says. He may cut your head off. Let him go ahead and do it. You live again. But if you cut you from God, you're finished. Amen. And so, <laughs> after exalt and drag this guy who he hates, around and blessed. Let me tell you a story. I was working at Nate as an instructor there and uh, we were I was affecting students. They were coming to God. He's saved. One instructor didn't like me at all. He just didn't because I was doing this, right? He just despised me. And they they conspired to get me kicked out of the college. That I was no longer interested in the work. I was losing interest. And I wasn't really. He just wanted me out. So he told our boss, and, and the day when the boss called me for, you know, to tell me the bad news that he heard that I'm not being, I'm not living up to the responsibility that I was I signed for, and da da da. But it just so happened one of the largest company in in Alberta 
send me some flowers and a trophy for some work I did for them in the past. And it came the same time and the same hour I had to face my boss. This courier came for asking for Trevor Neal and gave me this gift. So I went to my trial with the gift in my hand. And so look what they gave me in the letter they wrote. He says, obviously, so this very word, this is a testimony of your workmanship. End of story. <laughs> I didn't get fired. I quit on my own when God told me to quit. God is the way maker, not the flesh. Haman doesn't know he's dealing with a people who Egypt could not drown, Babylon could not burn, and Persia is not going to hang. I don't care how much you hate this church. We can still survive. As long as we preach truth, are committed to it, God will make a way somehow. No matter how low I bow beneath the cross, He will make a way somehow. God is always present. Help in the time of trouble. For in the time of trouble, he shall give me a hiding place in the secret of his pavilion. Esther, amen, don't know that God positioned her there, right where she had the king's ear and his heart. And now you're going to find the reason why I gave you that job. You know, most people who, lo who love jewelries and all that stuff, I don't know why I'm picking on this all this time. <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyhow. But in Egypt, God told the Israelites, come here. Go borrow from those people all their jewelries. Now, they don't have a Rolls Royce. They ain't got to pick up. All they got is kids. So God said, what you can't carry, paint on your kids. Turn your kids into donkeys. <laughs> put the silver and the gold on them. And if that all right, put it on yourself. Just take yourself up. Just pack, load yourself down and leave Egypt broke. <laughs> but you know why he wanted folks? At Mount Sinai, he says, give it back to me. Boy, that's where we find who love God. My pastor always tell me, you don't have a saint until you have their pocketbook. Because all that a man have, <laughs> he'll give to keep his pocketbook. <laughs> loaders, you know, but, but pay their way? Absolutely not. Free Pentecost, you call them. Well, let us know that Israel to give all back to God. Haman is promoted. And church, I don't know why people can't be happy because you're living for God. When I was working on a consulting company in, in Alberta, before I went to date, this guy got mad at me because I pay tithe. And I thought, I'm paying tithe. Why is it hurting you? It's my money. It's my 10%. Did I tell you I'm feeling pain? When you buy your cigars and do what you're doing, and your hockey game, if we talk about every, every work day, 
Does that, does that bother you about it? You know, the world is not happy until they got us in their camp. Huh? Once Delilah got what she wanted from Samson, she disappeared. She's gone. She messed him up. She, she spoiled him. Amen. And she left him there without any hope. Now, folks, let me tell you this here, friend, that right here, that this man called Haman, in spite of his promotion, in spite of the accolades, he was not happy at all. Because you represent a threat to him. Can you imagine? You come to church with your new shoes, it bothers them. You get a new car, it bothers them. You get a new house, it bothers I know girls that come to church and quit church over that. God love you, bother me. Well, live right and I love you too. <laughs> well, you got fruit, I got none. Well, plant some seeds. <laughs> Hello? You got nothing in the account to draw from. But he's angry, but God is trying to finish the work that Saul did not finish. Now, God didn't need a sword to do it. God didn't need a gun to do it. Got a little girl called Esther. And the Bible said, Esther's in the palace and John being a queen. And all of a sudden, she got a news from one of the chamberlains. It said, look, Mordecai said, we're about to experience genocide. So I can't take off this sackcloth. She said, but you know, nobody's allowed to wear kind of clothing at the gate. Well, girl, this is Jewish custom. When we're mourning, that's what we do. And I'm mourning. Well, what are you mourning for? They're going to kill all the Jews. And even though nobody knows you're a Jew, they're going to find out and kill you too. I was in church in Edmonton, and this guy went to Vietnam and came back. All the Vietnamese that came by were preachers, and they came and preached to us. They said they got beaten up and slaughtered and by their own army guys because they wouldn't do certain things, right? So they were mistreated. This guy came. doesn't know what we know for prior knowledge. He said, well, I went to Vietnam, and I didn't go through whatever they went through. And then he revealed why. He says, I never told anybody that I'm a Christian. On your job, do they know you're a Christian? Do you cuss with them too to fit in? Hello. What, what do we do to fit in? He said, I never told them. So there was no persecution and there was no tribulation for God. Because he was not a hero. He was a coward. Well, Esther, Barkas said, look. You may hide the fact that you are a oneness, oneness believer and sit among pagans. And they may think you are one of them, but God knows you're not. And one day is going to reveal who you really are. And if you don't stand with us, God will stand with us. But you are not going to be a part of the excitement when God blesses us. And don't think for one moment that you're going to hide in the palace. For if you hold your peace, listen now, 
God going to raise up somebody else to help us. It won't be you, but God going to raise up somebody whose heart you're going to touch, and enlargement will come from another place. But say your house, your family. Now I'm surprised he said it because it's his family too. They become a dunghill. That's pretty bad. And so tell him, the king has not asked me to come to his palace for the last 30 days, or th several months. He got a lot of girls. I mean, how many girls does he have? A whole bunch. So she's just one of many girls. Well, that's his wife. Those kings are, you know, <laughs> multi harems and all these girls. So he said, you know, if I go in there and talk to that king, I'm going to lose my life. He said, well, if you don't go, you're going to lose your life anyway. So either lose it for the cause or lose it because. Which one do you want? Lose it for the cause or because? He said, look, all right, I'll do anything you say. I'm the queen. And then this time it says she commanded him to call a fast. Now what's amazing is in this book, 150 or 156 times the name of the king is mentioned. Not one time God's name was ever mentioned. But you cannot deny the fact divine providence is at work. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. All Goliath saw was just a little lad, but he failed to see the God behind the lad. Amen. He said, look, I'm going to call a three-day fast. I'm going to fast for three days. I want you no water, no food, no drink. That reminds me, hey, that's right. Moses Spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting for Israel. That's powerful. Daniel spent 21 days fasting for the nation. And now she is spending three days and three nights fasting for the nation. I don't know if anybody has ever done that in the Bible. And in every case, there are three very important transitions. That took place. And so she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put on my royal garment. And I'm going to go and stand before the king. Now, yes, folks, everybody wants to be queen, but they don't want to do pay the price of being the queen. You know, you want a Pentecostal blessing. You want a Pentecostal future. But you don't want to live the Pentecostal life. I expect to get Pentecostal blessing. It's not going to work. Because that would be a mockery to us. Why should we sacrifice and you do all your idolatry and just walk right in and get a blessing with us? No way! God won't do that. This is for overcomers. Amen. Praise God. It would be unfair. You know, for for, for we did all the, the, the warfare and the fighting and living for God. And you just didn't live for God. And suddenly you, you come and say, I'm going to heaven too. It's not going to happen. That would be an insult to God's people. He said, I'm going to see the king. 
And if I perish, I perish. Now that's where this book gets excited. Exciting. If I perish, I perish. She said, look, I'm going to go and see this king. And he might just cut my head off, but I'm going to do it for my nation. And so she went in there. Mordecai is waiting. And church, I can see old hacks where they cut her head off <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah the devil's watching amen and Mordecai don't know what's going on and the door wide open and the king is looking and for a while he stares at her I could hear her heart beating either head's going to roll or something to roll around here today and he looked at her I could see almighty God reaching down his mighty hand the same God who talked to his father and gave the nation favor to go back and rebuild their temple and gave them back all the vessels that the devil stole from them. This same God is going to give them back their lives. Because around the world they were told, kill the Jews, wipe them out, get them out on a certain day, which is February the 28th, somewhere there. Amen. Now, church, I want you to see this, church. Church, you got to look at this because God is trying to show you this girl. Not only is she beautiful and she's a virgin, but she was willing to sacrifice herself for the cause and step forward courage and patriotism and heroism. Anybody consider Pentecostal. But when it comes time, they're not concerned about what's in it for me. It what's in it for him. All the me people don't last too long. They live on the fringe. They're the Akins. Hello? But the committed is not concerned about themselves and the work involved. They want the praises, but don't want the labor. Come on now. They want the recognition, but they want to pay the price. But she was willing to let her body become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which was the only reason of service she could give. She has no sword, she has no army, or she's the God that she was taught to reverend. Amen. And she said, I'm going to go stand before the king. And you smart she was. When the king raised a scepter, she touched it. He said, I'll give it even to the half of the kingdom. Now, folks, those guys mean what they say. They're not like you and me make a, make a, make a pledge and then we'll keep it. Amen. See, they meant what they said. They said, your head is off, it's off. Amen. So John the Baptist lost his head. The king said, I'll give anything you want. And he said, I want his head. There it was. Amen. So you've got to give her up. But she said, oh, not now, king. Do me a favor. I want to have another feast. So church, there are three feasts in this book. The feast of the king, the feast of Esther, there's a third feast coming up. Think about it. And the Bible said, it said, tomorrow we'll see a king. He said, fine. And by the way, when you come, bring Haman with you. Oh God, I tell you, Haman went home and big said, oh, guess what, wifey, guess what? I mean, I'm being promoted again. I mean, the queen is going to have an exclusive banquet. Just me and the king alone, and no buzz can come at her. Just the three of us. I mean, I'm being promoted. One thing bothers me is that guy at the gate. 
So the devil can't stand this church. He lies about it coming and going. He resists preaching. He resists teaching. Say to God, wake up! Smell the coffee! Hallelujah! The devil hates truth! The devil don't love you! <laughs> Whatever it takes to be saved, do it! Here's what Jesus said. If in doubt, pluck the eye out. If in doubt, cut the hand off. It's better to go to heaven crippled <laughs> than be healed and go to hell. If what you hear offend you, pluck it out. Because offense will come. But woe by whom it comes. And I know for me, great is thy law, Lord Jesus. And great is the peace of them that love thy laws. And nothing shall offend them. People who get offended always want to kill the preacher. Ahab got offended at the preaching of Micah. And put him in jail and tried to try to kill him. Is that right? Go on, church, talk to me. Speak to me, beloved. Jesus preached a sermon and they didn't like it. They wanted to push him off the cliff. When I preach, people vote for their feet. They walk out the door, slam the door, thinking I'm going to change it. You got it all wrong. You got the wrong preacher in mind. This one is not affected by people walking out that door. Absolutely none. Don't even see you. They did just see you do it. The staff church, like it used to, you know, my wife used to go to Wildwood and have service. And we drove a hundred miles almost one way to have church, to all weather. Now, we were not pastoring, we were just ranch work. And it didn't matter what weather was, we didn't stop at all, we just keep on going. We went there, we shoveled the snow, and the people who lived there wouldn't do that, but we did. <laughs> we, we shoveled the snow, we had service there, and they'd come out and they'd sit down with us. And, and we got all kind of beliefs there, all kind of beliefs. And some were way off. We had to deal with them all, right? But you know, it 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 didn't bother me that they don't they don't believe. What would bother me is if I didn't tell the truth. And they die the next day. Well one day my car in the yard of the of the one who sponsored the story, me being there and, and give it open their house to us. He went from house to house and was teaching in, in homes and they come in, the, in big numbers. Alright? And so it went in this home and going home was late at night and my tire went flat. It was dark in the farmer's field. And the sun came out and the sun brought his flashlight. I said, Preacher, you have a flashlight? I said, Nope. He said, You never drive without a, a light. At times like this. So I've always traveled flashlight because he, he taught me that lesson. But it was God who knowing he was going to die down the road. He helped me. I said, he come to our study and study with us. So he did for a while. And his wife came and his kid came. But he didn't give his life to the Lord. And church, this sadly happened. One day, in midday, he was driving home. And a guy had a heart attack. And it was like some laser was pointing the car in a different direction. He tried to escape the car, and the car followed him. 
Everywhere he turned, the car followed him and smacked him so hard, blind his wife, I think, or blind his kid, and crippled his wife somehow, and he died on the spot. God does not place us by accident. Refugees aren't here by accident. I was at one this, this morning. He said, I want to tell you a good story. So, what's the story? He said, look, you know those guys you invested in? He's now the, he said, he's now the ambassador to a country. I won't name it. He said, he's now the ambassador to a country. He said, God, you're good to tell. He said, on me also, I am preaching. I thought, wow. I said, look at that now. I'm giving these guys things that my people don't want. And they just love it. And you go, ah, think of it. I'm saying that those who have it don't want it, and those who want it can't get it. Now that puzzles me. Why life would be that way? Amen. But here's Haman. Here's his chance to be reconciled with the Jews, trying to kill them, paying to kill them, genocide. Hello. And the Baalists know that God is not saying a word. Have you ever noticed? When David's brethren are lying on him, selling him, you know what I'm saying? They're buying him, jailing him, again, framing him. God is not saying nothing. How many of that? You know what I mean? Job had his boils, family dying, <laughs> his, his goods are gone. God's not saying nothing. Delay don't mean denial. And how many of you are going through a problem right now and God don't seem to, seem to be there? You're praying and nothing happening. These things were written for our learning and our admonition. Behind the scene of your storm is God. You just don't see, but the providential act of God is in operation. You just don't want to admit it. Because it's not coming out the way you want to flesh it out. Amen. And maybe you don't like manna. It's too light for food. Hello. But when I came to God, I told God, if I ever get lost, I'm going to blame you because I'm going to do everything they tell me to do. You told me to be obedient. And I'm going to be obedient. If I'm lost, I'm going to blame you because I'm following your teachings. Haman didn't realize the power of prayer and fasting. In that same place, this guy used to beat his wife. Ask my wife. It's the honest truth. Beat her with a rod. With the iron from the, from, the, from the furnace. And one day she came crying to me. And I thought, oh, Lord. I can't give her no advice about her marriage. Except trust God and I know wives and husbands said oh preacher it's so easy for you to say trust God but I'm the one in the fight not you what's him to say I'm not here to break up marriages I'm going to put them together help them to survive but I said one thing you can do lady is say this in Jesus name I rebuke you and the next time he tried it she said it and he froze and dropped. Next time he said, he dropped it and backed off. The power of prayer. Esther was going to control Agag with what? 
prayer and fasting. Amen. She said, come on to this banquet. And so she came to, he came to this banquet all, you know, bushy-tailed and, and bright-eyed and coming all, look what's going to happen for me, man. I'm going to take this over from this girl. She's going to bless me and all that's going to happen. But he didn't know this is the last he's going to live. The king said, now what do you want? Even half of the kingdom. He said, oh, kings, would you please spare my life? What? Please, I'm, I'm condemned to die. Who? He said, who? Where? Where is he? He said, that wicked Haman. <laughs> Woo, as he said that, he's shocked. Here's the wisdom of Mordecai. Don't declare you a Jew until the right time. She got tact and diplomacy. She chose the right moment. <clears throat> when the king heard it, he said, I didn't authorize that. He walked out of the building church. He walked out there mad. He went to the garden, the Bible says. Now, look how the devil messed up Mordecai. I mean, Haman. He made a grave mistake. I suppose she was sitting on a chair or a couch, and he made a mistake and went over there and leaned towards her. And the king walked back in. And what did he saw? This guy over his wife. He said, what? Before my very eyes. <laughs> the guy couldn't even wait till I leave the building. Try to rape my wife before my eyes. <laughs> you think God's not smart? God set him up. And when he said a church, I mean the head on touch showed up with a big old axe. Put a thing over his head. And one guy said, hey, by the way, king, he made a gallows. Hang him on it. And he hung his own gallows. Now, church, listen to this. You may not realize what's going on here. Somebody here, God's trying to talk to you. That you may be going through a situation. And you're saying God is not interested in my situation. And I don't see a visible representation of God in my problem. But I'm trying to tell you, behind the scene, there's a God. That all things are working together. For my final good. And though my adversary is promoted and I'm not. And though my enemies seem to be rejoicing against me. I said rejoice not against me O my enemy. For when I fall I shall arise. Never rejoice over a child of God. Thinking they're going to fall. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we learn in the scripture. The king said. Esther what more do you want me to do? She said king. We're going to die on a certain date. The guy went to astrology. And they said kill the Jews on a certain date. And we're going to die on that date. What shall we do? The king said I cannot reverse the law. I can't change it. It looks like everything in your life is unchanging. Nothing going to work for you. Everything you touch just don't work. Like it's unchangeable. But there's a God who said, is there anything too hard for me? I can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. Let me tell you, church, I heard at the Minister's of the White Retreat Conference, 
everything in this life in our life is not eternal it must come to an end hallelujah and so the Bible says the king said you know what I want you to do I can't change the law but I'm going to give you another law which is higher than the first one I'm going to write a higher law and that law is going to tell you defend yourself you know what did? hallelujah get a hold of Mordecai and Mordecai took over the place of Haman The guy who tried to get me fired, he got fired, and I'm not in the seat. How did it happen if the Lord had not been on my side? Behind the scene, there's an invisible hand of God working out things for my good. Though I cannot see, God is good to me. Oh, hallelujah. Behind the scene. There's a God who writes a higher law that says, Though Satan rages, we shall not be defeated because I'm standing on the rock of ages. Oh, hallelujah. Glory says, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Behind the scene, there's an almighty God. And so she hastily told Haman what happened. Amen. I mean, she told Mordecai rather what happened because Haman is dead. And God, God gave all his belongings to Hester. Hester gave it to Mordecai. Hey, church, don't worry about it. The house you want will be yours. Amen. The house that someone's living in, God, they're eventually give it to you. That car they own, you know. I like to go next to you and buy some suit, wear rich men clothing. They weren't long enough. It's time for me to wear it. In that house too long, it's time for me to move into it. You see, you guys don't believe it, but I believe that. You know, God says that the, the, the wicked are stirring up riches for the righteous. Pentecost, you don't even believe that. My God, shout some us, amen. Shout hallelujah. Brother Bean, are you an electrician? Next week, please, let's find these chairs for me, please. These guys are too complacent, man. My God, my God. Are you guys oversized or what? Leap for joy. Don't don't you think? Don't you think Mordecai shouted? Don't you think he back on the sackcloth and put on the praise garment? Don't you think, Hallelujah? Amen. She said, "No more fasting. It's time for a feast. It's time for a celebration." Hallelujah! I said, "Hallelujah! Hallelujah!" She's really a star. I can't find no preachers to agree with but a few. If I'm going to build another church, I say, God, first, I want a bunch of women, not men, women. Amen. Sorry, man, I love you, but I'm going to speak truth in Jesus Christ. Women are tough. Her name, she's a Myrtle. In fact, her name, Myrtle, she means she's tough. Adasa. Adasa, I mean, Myrtle tree. I mean, making the toothache and the sky is falling. And the wife is having tummy ache and he can go sleeping, sleeping. Can't wake him. Oh, Connie, don't worry about it. You watch it. Men can't take pain. Thank God I'm different. That's a lie. <laughs> well, hallelujah. 
But women are tough. She's a Merkle tree. And she's a star. Ladies, you've got value. You've got a ministry. You've got tenacity. You've got beauty. You've got self-denial. You've got heroism, courage, and a patriotism. Woo! Jesus than men. Men ran from soldiers who stood firm. Hallelujah. Now, church, to make a long story short, when they defended themselves and they won against the enemy, Mordecai said, You know what? I don't want you guys to ever forget what took place. Because in the Bible, Two times genocide was practiced against Israel in Egypt and right here. Amen. But the women defy, listen to me now, the midwives defied the king and said, We will not. And that spread the life. Husbands, if you're going to pray, wife, that's better than your bank book. If you got the reverse, woe is you. I live in the Caribbean before. I've heard rain drop on tin roof. Nauseating noise. Everyone. Right. My friend, a bad bull can't be compared to a bad wife. That's why he that find a good wife, find a good thing. Didn't say you find a husband, find a good thing. Maybe it's nothing. <laughs> Maybe he's just nothing. But God says she's a good thing. Thank God I pray. I'd rather have a good thing than nothing. <laughs> I say hallelujah. But church, that brought in a new feast called the Feast of Purim. The feast mean that that which could have happened to me didn't happen. And Joseph first had that feast before they did. Because they meant to destroy Joseph and his dream. But it never happened. But Joseph didn't ask for celebration. Because he saved that nation by what happened to his life. The vision he gave to the king. And what Moses did save them. Are you with me? Now, in the Bible, you got Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle. But Ruth is the only girl and the only person that bring a fourth feast that is theocratically received. The feast of what? Purim. She added a fourth one. Think about it. I mean, Esther, sorry. Esther did this. Isn't that amazing how a little person, a little girl, women, you can make a difference in the church. I said you can make a difference in the church, in your prayer life, in your devotion to God, in the stand that you take. Look at Paul and Silas in jail and the women start praying. 
I mean, Peter and John, rather, in jail, and look what happened. Women start, what? Praying. Think about it. Now, we got men that don't like women in ministry. I mean, they're wrong, and they're, it had to be wrong. I mean, that's their rights to be wrong. But, hey, church, she saved the nation. She said, if I perish, she didn't perish. The enemy perished. And before I close tonight, let me point something that I saw. What she did, she experienced the promises of Abraham in that situation. Because God said, I'll bless them that bless you and curse them the what? Curse you. Number two, they would not bow to another heathen figure and they obey the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other gods. Didn't bow to him. Number three, amen, the nation of Israel could have been illuminated by genocide, but what she did save the entire nation. Today, Israel still, Israel still honor her and still do it because just like today, the same persons are trying to kill Israel today. And one in mean, Psalm 83, there seems to be a nation. Go Psalm 83 and read for yourself. They want to destroy Israel as a nation, but it's not going to work. Again, we see Levitical priesthood. Women, holiness pays off. Women, your power is not in your pockets on your head. Woo, hallelujah. You got power with God and angels. Her hair is given for her glory. Glory. I said glory. Glory. And we see the power of fasting. Jesus said, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And number six, we see she was willing to sacrifice herself. Herself. Church, don't hitchhike on other people's sacrifice. Get your own. Amen. And number seven, she finally got even with the Amalekites that Saul failed to deal with. Because it was, in the beginning, Saul and Agag, and now it's Mordecai and what? Haman. Amen. And they destroyed the Amalekite. Unfortunately, they didn't get to his wife. As a result, Abinadab is still over here in Persia. I want to kill him off today. The Persians today are descendants of Amalek. How many knew that? How many knew that? Well, you know now. Amen. And what do they want to do? They want to wipe Israel off as a nation. Read Psalm 83. You hear what they said. And we see it's still happening today. All right? Now, God wrote a higher law. God reversed the law and says it can happen. Defend yourself. Amen. And number nine, we see eldership. She was in submission to the leadership of the elder in her life. She could have said, I'm queen, and I do as I wish. And she could. And she could destroy Mordecai. But she responded well to the elder in her life. And number ten, amen. They said, the law of the Jews are diverse than other. I'm trying to tell somebody, I didn't make this up. You know, they said, their laws are diverse from ours. They eat different, dress different, pray different, walk different. He said, they will not be of any use to you. It's true. Oneness people must always be different from the churches in their city. Amen. Amen. We will never be ecumenical. Never. Not this pastor. Not while I'm here. 
Maybe my dead body, but not in my life. It will never happen. We believe in one God, not three. Not four. Not Buddha. Not Muhammad. Not Krishna. Amen. Jesus Christ is Him, and that's all there is to it. It doesn't matter if we grow or poor where we are. That's it. Come on, somebody. Worship God. All right, let's stand. Now, folks. In Solomon's song, I believe the reason why they saw a divorce in our Pentecostal faith because preachers, as far as I know, nine out of ten apostolic preachers never preach from the Solomon song. Most of you never heard a sermon from that book. Be honest. The preachers you know never go there. Never read it to you. Never told you that your marriage should be that way. It teaches you as a husband how to love your wife. It teaches the wife how to respond to her husband. Nobody told me. Simple live by the Roman system. The Roman love. And the Greek tragedies of love mythologies but God who made the family gave us Solomon's song and that's Christ's love and his church hallelujah and the book of Ruth is about a woman who walked away from her paganism once and for all and said I'm bearing my past I want to be a part of something bigger said, I want your God your people, your burial, and God said, you can have it. But look at the book of Esther. Esther is the book of the transition, listen now, from the Jewish age to the Christian age. Look where she fit. There's a change coming on. She is like Moses. Moses brought the Exodus. Hello? And gave her three feasts. Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacle. And Purim gave the Feast of Survival. If you look at it, amen, first they built the temple. That's the revival of the temple. Then she brought the survival of the people. And after that came the walls, the survival of the city. Think about it. God didn't send me here to be assimilated. God sent me here to make a difference. Let's worship God. Let's worship God. Let's worship God. Esther. You're in this church, Esther. Pure. Simple. Godly. Obedient. God-fearing. Heroic, courageous, patriotic, courageous, self-denial. You're in this church. I believe it right now. Let's worship God. Let's worship God. Let's worship God. Hmm.
in March the 1st, 1953, they said that Stalin, the Russian Stalin died. He made a decree to kill three million Jews after the Holocaust and blame them for a disaster that came to Russia. He gave a decree in his Politburo to kill all the Jews, three million of them in this country. But a week before it was to happen, he died. He died and was buried March the 1st. They said his death was a sudden stroke. One week before his decree was to be practiced, he died. They said it was on the exact time of the Purim festivity. Do you think Iran going to wipe Israel out? You think Hezbollah going to do it? The basic question here, you think government can wipe out the one in this church? You think backsliding can wipe the church out? You think Trinitarianism can wipe this thing out? Can never do it. And they look at us and they thought, oh, you little small people, you're so infinitesimal. But they failed to see not the size of the man in the fight, but the God of the man in the fight. Let's bow in and worship God right now. Shabbat Satan was defeated. I don't wonder if there's anybody right now God's talking to you. You can sing a song and say, Satan, your kingdom is coming down. I heard a voice of Jesus said, Satan, your king is coming down. Is there somebody here? Is there Esther in this house? Or is there a Mordecai? Men, you can be a Mordecai. You can be a positive influence on the female gender by the position that you take and the conviction you brought about in their hearts. And women, you can be a source of encouragement of the truth because Esther will forever be remembered. If she had not done what she did, Christ would not have been born. They would have killed all the Jews. But God said, you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan, your kingdom 